A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Tony Evans of the Evening Standard and Adrian Clark from the PremierLeague.com. Eyes down, look in, it's Bannockburn bingo. Kilts, fans in the fountain, flower of Scotland, England's pathetic brass band. Maybe, just maybe, a little football. Looking forward to it, Tony? Well, in a, in a perverse way. I mean, what strikes me is I remember growing up, this used to be one of the biggest games of the season. You know, the, the annual home international. And one of the few games that you'd see on television, the build-up was massive and it really meant something. Now it seems to be a little bit underwhelming, you know, the way the, the game's changed. But it's a huge game for England and, well, it's a huge game for both nations. You know, it'll determine the fate of both managers, I would have thought. And so in that sense, yeah, but I can't imagine there being much football. Please. No, there never is, is there, Adrian? <laughs> you know, dwelling on the managers, mm. Gareth Southgate has yet to fully commit himself, mm. but he does need this win, doesn't he? Well, does he? Or are the FA just going to appoint him anyway? I think he's got to mess up royally not to get the England job because he is the easy choice. He's the cheap option. They want him to do so well. So I, I believe the FA will look for is, as many Is positive. there any other choice? Yeah, exactly. There's no standout alternative at the moment. So they desperately want him to do OK. And I think if he does OK, it will be enough for Gareth Southgate. For Gordon Strachan, I maybe see things differently. I think maybe no matter what happens in this game, his tenure is probably coming towards the end because it doesn't look like Scotland are going to qualify for another major tournament, which I guess was the target at the outset. So I'd imagine he's probably on his last legs as Scotland boss. But Gareth Southgate, I suspect it's only just beginning for him. Mm. The, the squad, not too many surprises in it. What about Jack Wilshire, though? Did he actually deserve a recall after what essentially is a couple of games for Bournemouth? <laughs> yeah, not from where I can see. There's so much expectation and belief attached to Jack Wilshire. I've never really seen it myself. He's never dominated what, games what, regularly. Not, not when he got six man-of-the-match performances in a row for England. He was their best player, wasn't he? Uh, was it only... Less than 18 months ago. Well, he had a couple of good games. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, but, no, I mean, the, the way he's been talked up, the, the hype over the years, mm. you know, that he's a player who could dominate games and change games, he didn't do it often enough for me. Well, he has to play games to, well, to exactly, dominate them, doesn't exactly, he? you know, and, it's, um, and he's, he's been almost a bit part player at Bournemouth. You know, he hasn't exactly... He never went there, got into the team, and he's changed the direction of their season. It'd be nice to see him develop as a player, but... I'm not yeah. seeing it. Yeah, he's got a lot of improvement to come this season, I suspect. I don't actually think he's playing in his best position. He's been used as number 10, isn't he, at Bournemouth. Eddie Howe's got his unit there with Sermon and Arthur and Wilsh is in front. I prefer him in a deep, not in the deepest role, but as a box-to-box midfielder where he's facing play. I think in, with back-to-goal, 
he's, he's not a Mesut Ozil type number 10. So I don't think we're seeing the best out of him also because Bournemouth don't have anywhere near as much of the ball as he's used to at Arsenal. Therefore, every time he does get the ball, there's an expectation or a need for him to do something. And we haven't really seen that. We've just seen it in bits and bits and pieces, really, from Jack Wilshere. I think he's slightly fortunate to get a recall based on form. He's done all right. But with Deli Ali injured, he'll come right into the manager's mm. thinking for these two games, no doubt about that. He has got international pedigree. If you rewind the clock for when he was in form, he, he, he did a good job for England. I think he's quite well suited to international football. Mm. What about, you know, put yourself in the position of uh, Mauricio Pochettino. Mm. You've already lost Deli Alley, probably quite conveniently over the international mm. break, but you're allowing Harry Kane, your prized asset, to turn up in what will be a kick fest, basically. Are you comfortable with that? Mm, uh, not, not completely, but on the other hand, it does give them a, a little bit of match fitness. Mm. When he comes out the other side of the international um, break, to to you know sort of to be firing for Tottenham as well, you know he he looked a little bit stale in the North London derby. He should be at a sharpest best when he comes back for the Premier League. So I probably rationalised it that way to myself. <laughs> I, do, I, do, I think it's doing good. I mean he's, he's playing in the North London derby. That's a pretty physical game. He got Koscielny nibbling at his ankles all game long. I mean, is Scotland going to be any different for us? I'm with you. I think mm. the Spurs, if I was the Spurs manager, I'd be thinking, play him. Please play him. He needs a games. Mm. Scotland. Mm. They had a very bad loss last time out, mm. which Strachan was basically very fortunate to survive. Yes. They haven't got enough players playing regular club football. Hardly anyone plays in Europe. That's what Strachan has been saying. Mm. Excuses or reasons? <laughs> well, the... They're just not a great side. I mean, there's not a lot to choose, is there, for Scotland? I think that was a poor result. I don't think you can make too many excuses for a 3-0 defeat to Slovakia. I don't think you can blame that on injuries. They had a strong enough team to get a result there. And they didn't turn up. It's as simple as that. Um, Scotland, for them to compete at international level, have to fight for their lives. They have to show all the qualities that you associate with Scottish football. And they're more than capable. They've gone and beaten... Huge nations in recent seasons. Malta, 5 0. 1 5 1. So 5 1. They've got it there. But yeah, you, you, Scotland, you, they have to be fully at it to stand a chance in this game as well. But the thing is, you look at Northern Ireland mm. and you see what they've done mm. with a group of players who, who are not as good as Scotland's players. You know, Scotland's aren't Trenton. great. And this is a failure, Strachan. Stra you know, Strachan is, um, you know, he's full of. Um, basically snotty answers at the press conferences <laughs> and he exudes this like I know more than you but you know what he isn't putting together a team that's greater than the sum of its parts its parts aren't that great but Northern Ireland and Wales showed us that they can do it. Oh, yes. Wales have a superstar yeah. and, uh, they're putting and Strachan to shame aren't they but, but they yeah. do they're showing Strachan up for all his weaknesses mm. and you've got players yeah. retiring then unretiring yeah. Scott Brown yeah. is there strange one it is a very strange one yeah. um, you know He's probably lording over my mate Joey Barton at the moment, <laughs> but is he really an international quality well, he's, player? He's had a, he's had a half-decent career. He's made the best of his ability, hasn't he? And he, he's been a good servant for club and country, but his best days are behind him now. I mean, you've got to be looking, I suppose, to James MacArthur, uh, Robert Snodgrass, Matt Ritchie. These are the stars of the Scotland team, and they're Premier League standard footballers but they're not Bottom to yeah really. exactly I mean you look at the squad it's it, it's a championship squad if that was a club team 
you'd put them probably middle of the championship. They, they wouldn't even be pushing for the playoff, well, Scotland. Well, so. it's basically thirds, isn't it? Championship, a third championship, uh, you know, sort of a third Scotland and a third Premier League mm. bo bottom dwellers. Mm. So, you know, but, but there should be enough talent there to qualify in these tournaments where everyone gets in. You know, the pub teams are getting it. <laughs> yeah, t teamwork is what it's all about, isn't it? For teams like yeah. Scotland, we've seen it with Ireland. And it, you're right, I think Strachan's leadership has to be according to question. I've liked him previously. I think he's got good spirit and he, he's, a, well, he's a different type of personality, isn't he? He's quite an unusual guy. But I remember him as a player, so bubbly, full of energy. But it does feel like he's almost dragging the players down, which the I find strange. The thing is, Strachan is a symbol of what's gone wrong with Scottish football. Not his fault, but he's the last Scottish player to win Football of the Year mm. down here. And since then, the Scottish game has really slid down there. That was, what, 92? No, 91? Mm -hmm. You mentioned leadership, Adrian. Let's look at Jose Mourinho, which we tend to do every <laughs> week. <laughs> we have Luke Shaw and Chris Smalling, not in the England squad, mm. presumably for, for injury reasons. Yes. Yeah, it seems to me that they've been scapegoated by Jose Mourinho. His comments after that Swansea win, what do you think of that? I think this disgraceful comments from Jose Mourinho has thrown them under the bus. He has gone public. I mean, MUTV did name them and he did explain the situation that neither were... You, you're a pro. You've been yeah, a pro. Yeah. What impact will that have well, in the dressing I think room? it's very dangerous in the dressing room because it depends how popular these boys are. I, I'd imagine they are. I think they're nice lads. They will be fuming because their professionalism has been called into question. They've effectively been labelled soft. And footballers don't like to be labelled soft and they will be smarting and it's lucky in a way that it is an international break now where the players are all away. It could all blow over by the time they come back but I don't know why he's picked a fight with these two. He obviously feels they're dispensable because mm. it, it's not it, on to do that. It's management by blunt instruments. Yeah, well, it? last year, it was last season at Chelsea, he questioned Eden Hazard's hurt on TV yeah. and, you know, this seems to be a tactic that he's employing you know, sort of fairly frequently, and it'll do you no good. It's the quickest way to lose a dressing room, and you know, sort of people start questioning you. Mm. And uh, it didn't work from a Chelsea. It won't work from at Manchester United. Mm. With Chelsea, mm. you know, we've had what eleven fixtures yeah. now. That win over Everton was one a fantastic team performance. Yes. You know, everyone eight nine out of ten. But also, that tells you what a manager can do to a team, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, he's a top manager. It was the nonsense story of the year when there was speculation over Conte's future just a few weeks ago. Um, he, he's top class. The players love him. You can see it in the way that they play. They are charging around the pitch with so much more energy and enthusiasm than they did under Mourinho. And as a team, that, that was a complete team performance against Everton. Fabulous from back to front. And, yeah, I think Conte was a smart appointment and they should continue to get better. The issue is, I think, do they have two class players for each position? No. I think their first 11 is excellent at the moment. They're riding a wave, but I don't think they have the depth. Mm. Well, you never know with Chelsea what's going to happen yet because the influence of the owner is really important. I think the crucial thing for Conte is his relationship with Hazard. Mm -hmm. which fell apart between Mourinho and Hazard. And I think if he keeps him on side, and you know, he's one of the best players in Europe, isn't he? Mm -hmm. I mean, this, we expected him last year to have the sort of after winning football of the year, a breakout year, or you know, could well be this. I do think, though, they're still going to have to buy the squad. 
isn't the sort of squad that suits Conte. Someone's going to catch that three out at the back. Everyone's raving about it, you know, at, at the moment. But really, Victor Moses, wing back, come on, at some point, that's got to end in tears. Mm, but oh, yeah. that's the yeah. current fashion statement, is to yeah, play three at the back. Yeah, it is. Uh, we worked well Tot for Tottenham, did it? Yeah, they yeah. worked, worked well. for Everton, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not for everybody. Um, it suits them at the moment. It really does. You need the right central midfielders, I think, mm. as well. And you need the right guys at wing-back. And at the moment, I, if you forget that his name's Victor Moses and that he's been loaned out to every club in the land and you judge him purely on his recent performances, you say that that's a player. Victor mm. Moses looks like a Chelsea player. He looks like he belongs. He is playing as well as anybody else at the mm. moment so I think it's his place to I, lose I don't doubt his talent I doubt his position and I doubt his positional sense playing if, in the, yeah in the... if you, I think in the modern game if you defend from the front you don't necessarily need five defenders you can rely on the back three and if you've got two defensive midfielders like Conte mm. and Matic can both get around the pitch and defend they've got five defenders I think the wing backs for Chelsea, in effect, they don't have to do as much defending as wing-backs for Everton did, mm. for example. So um, I think it's horses for courses. Yeah, well, I think the good teams mm. will find the space behind the full-back, the wing-back. The good news for Chelsea is there aren't many good teams in the Premier League. <laughs> this is true. And also, if you look at Diego Costa, mm. now, when he stops trying to be the baddie in his own mm. spaghetti western... He's one heck of a player, and he was fantastic on Saturday, wasn't he? Oh, I'm a huge fan. I quite like him when he's the baddie as well. You know, <laughs> but, uh, he's a really disruptive influence. You know, he does what, what I like better than anything. He gets into the minds of defenders. So they're not thinking about what space he should take up. They're not thinking about where, what they should be doing with the ball, who they should be picking up. They're worried about Costa, yeah. and I love that. You know, you see yeah. the doubt going through <laughs> the minds, and there's not enough forwards who do that. Yeah, Costa aged Phil Jagielka by about three or four years in that particular match. Well, he's 67 match. now. It was, it? Yeah, it was unbelievable. <laughs> I think Costa, in the form that he's in, is the best traditional, old-fashioned number nine around. There's no one better than him as a strong target man centre-forward. Brilliant. Mm. Can Chelsea win the title? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think Chelsea can win the title. The Liverpool can win the title, Arsenal can win the title, Tottenham, City. I think it's going to come for, from that group. I can't tell you who is going to win it because there's so many more twists and turns to come. But they've got to be contenders. I think their flaws are, uh, Tony's right, their flaws are at, at the back. And I think if they get hit by injuries to Hazard and Costa, they'll be in trouble because the backup guys are OK, but they're not at the same level. So, uh, and, and this is the best of Chelsea we're seeing at the moment. It's not long ago they turned up at Arsenal and rolled over easily. It's not long ago that Liverpool made them look bang average. So I think the real Chelsea is somewhere in between. I think there's going to be a lot of that going on in the Premier League this year where teams are going to be spectacular and then there'll be a run of games where they look woeful mm. and it's not just Chelsea that'll no. apply to I think that'll apply at some point to Liverpool you know I still think the team the best shape and the best equipped to go on a longer run are Arsenal mm. Mm. What about Liverpool though your team mm. um, Klopp is trying to keep a lid on it isn't he because people, people are going to run away with this aren't they Well I mean I think they're already getting overexcited. <laughs> you know, it's titles aren't won in October. You know, it was always a big Liverpool saying. Or April. Well, yeah, or April, yeah. It's, um, <laughs> but the, the one thing is, there is cause for excitement with the way Klopp's got that front unit playing. The movements, the intelligence of them, I, I think they're fantastic. I mean, they've yet to be really truly tested at the back and that'll be a big issue I mean I think there are in the same way as you'll be able to get behind Chelsea good teams will be able to get behind Liverpool but you know what I don't think there's enough of them to do them that much damage over the season I still think a top four 
position would be an absolute massive success for Klopp and he deserved loads of credit for it. Uh, winning the title would be a minor miracle. Mm. They are a jumpers for goalpost team, aren't they? You know, you score two, yes. we'll score three. Yes. Mm. How far can that take you? Well, it can take you an awful long way. We saw it under Brendan Rodgers, didn't we? This is so reminiscent of that season where it was all about how great they were going forward defensively. You know, they shipped a lot of goals. Um, they're not actually shipping a crazy amount of goals at the mm. moment. So um, they're tearing most teams apart, aren't they? It's brilliant. I think they can ride it out. It's just how long can they stay, you know, on this amazing role that they're on? I think top four is where they need to be aiming mm. but they're capable of winning the title after Leicester won the league we can't sit here and say Liverpool aren't good enough to win the league mm. clearly they are it, mm. it, it depends on what the others do it's all about can one team string you know an um, a really long unbeaten run together and, and that begs the question do they have the depth of players to do that look at Sadio Mane again mm. fantastic against Watford they're going to be missing him in January because of the yeah. African Cup of Nations some talk about Liverpool going for another striker in the market. Again, your Jurgen Klopp, who do you look at? Oh, well, that's a, that's, a, that's a really good question. Anyone Michael Edwards gives me a don't. Um, yeah, uh, well, your new sporting director. Your new sporting director, who I have as much faith as I had before. In, in, as I had before. I don't know. I mean, the, the, the one thing about Klopp, he's, he's very astute at these things. He won't be looking for the obvious. He won't be looking for the big money buy. He'll be looking for someone who suits his system. Mm. He'll be looking for value in the sense, is he'll want someone who can slot in. I don't think there'll be a big name out there. I think you know, Mane was a brilliant pickup for him. Everyone's focusing on Coutinho and he's been absolutely mm. brilliant because he's so direct and he's so clever. But uh, Mane's pace and movement has given him a more license to play. Mm. So, so I think it's fantastic. So I think he'll be looking for someone who fits into a system and it may not be the marquee sign no. of you know, popular fiction. Mm. What about if you look at Liverpool's setup at the moment, conversely, they could quite easily lose Coutinho because mm. the way he's playing, Real Madrid, Barcelona, they're going to take notice of that, aren't well, they? Well, yeah, he'll be catching the eyes of global giants, no doubt about that. But look, he's in the right place, isn't he, for him at the moment, Liverpool. Huge club in the world, he's their main man. I don't think I'd be in a, in a massive hurry to, to be leaving Anfield if I was Philip Coutinho. But when Barcelona and Real Madrid come knocking, it's difficult. But look, what can you do? It, it, you've just got to enjoy these players while they're here. It was the same with Modric when he was at Spurs. You've just got to, and, and Bale, you've just got to enjoy them, make the most of their presence while they're there. He, he is a class act, but he won't be the only player that those clubs mm. are looking for. I, I, I'd see no reason why Coutinho can't be a fixture in the Liverpool team, can't become a legend at Anfield like some of the guys well, from, from years gone by. Well, exactly, and he's not going to get on the Barcelona side, as, as no. good as he's playing at the moment. And Real Madrid, would you go there? Cristiano and Bale, is he going to suit there? Yeah, I just think mm. sometimes, st stick. You stick where it works and where you're playing and where you're loved. And, uh, yeah, as I said, I think Coutinho, if he stays at Liverpool for the next five years, can cement legendary status there. And there's a lot to be said for that. Well, and what they'll have to do, they'll have to look at the wage structure and they'll have to pay him the going mm -hmm. rate. Yeah. You know, it can't be a situation like Raheem Sterling where they, yes. they let him go for what was frankly below the, you know, the, the sort of wages you expect to pay him. Yeah, yeah, you've got to act like a, like a big mm. club to keep mm. the big players. Mm. North London derby, close yeah. to your heart, yes. obviously. Yeah. What was your view of Arsenal? You know, there's a lot of people saying, 
they still lack that indefinable something which would make them champions. Yeah, it wasn't their finest hour in the North London derby. They allowed Spurs really to knock them out of their rhythm. We we saw a 15-minute purple patch just before half-time where they ripped Tottenham apart in the way that they sort of destroyed Chelsea earlier on in the season. So we got a glimpse there of what their true capabilities are. But, but yeah, it was just one of those days where they didn't quite have the sharpness or quality to change the pattern of the game. And the pattern of the game after Spurs equalised was, we are going to knock you around, we're going to make this a stop-start, ugly, untidy type of match. And Arsenal just didn't have, quite have it on the day to turn it around. There was also a little bit of a sense that at 1-1, Arsenal were like, a draw hurts you more than it hurts us. You know, this is your sixth draw of the season. You know, we'll win more games. You're falling a bit further behind. I thought there was a little bit of a, a sort of a settling for us amongst yeah. them. You know, yeah, yeah, does that bit. speak to a lack of confidence? I don't think it's a lack of confidence. I mean, I think from the sense I get of Arsenal, there's more confidence there than there has been for a yeah. long time. It might be a bit fragile. It would be easy to prick that balloon. But, yeah. But yeah, Wenger, I think, has drilled it into the players. If you can't win, don't lose. He's been, become mm. a pragmatist in many ways, and I think that's a good thing. This Arsenal team... If those Spurs rough them up to a certain degree, there is a stronger mentality there this year. There is great depth. It didn't work for them. They won the battle of the benches, hands down, but it didn't matter in this game. They didn't change the game for the better, the substitutes. But the mentality is different this season. For that reason, I feel much more optimistic that Arsenal will stick around at the top. And, you know, you've got the big players are in form. I know it wasn't their, their best day, but Alexis and Ozil are enjoying outstanding seasons. And, and for, for as long as that can continues, they will be in with a shout of winning honours. Well, Wenger's got them playing in the right positions, hasn't he? You know, he's got Sanchez up front, It was a one-man press. You mm -hmm. know, he caused all sorts of problems. Ezel's mm -hmm. a bit further forward than he's yeah. been. You know, I, I, I love what um, sort of Kazala uh, and uh, Xhaka and that midfield pairing. And yeah. for the first time, they've got two centre-halves who are, you know, in years, that is, two centre-halves who look solid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I love Bella and Giorgio oh, forward. Yeah, top So, five. I think Arsenal have got the best shape of any side I've seen this year. And if they can retain that level of consistency... I mean, I spoke to Bella last mm -hmm. week, and, you know, when he was saying... Um, He's saying we're stronger mentally this year. We're not so much of a pushover. And he admitted, he said, last year, you know, we didn't have the mentality. He said, but this year, we feel we've got it. We're not quite there. But. What about Tottenham's yeah. mentality, Adrian? Only one goal from open play in the last seven games. OK, they are unbeaten. I think it's still the best league start for 50-odd years. Mm. Again, is there a missing link there? I think we've been misled into believing that Spurs are an adventurous side. I, they've got very good attacking players, but the, the bottom line is Spurs are a powerful defensive team. They are set up to stop other teams from producing their best football. This is in the big games. Yep. And they've also got talents like Ericsson, like Ali, like Kane, who can win the matches for them. But ultimately, Pochettino sets his teams up to be strong and powerful. It's not about pretty football with Spurs. So this is what they are. They will grind out draws. There will be a lot of games they don't win because they're not quite as attack-minded as some of the other title rivals. Do, do you agree? Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, they close people down. They're a swarming team in that sense. They're not going to charge you all over you in movement and passing. And because... The short answers up front, they're not going to score enough goals. Yeah. I mean, you know, Janssen may turn into a player. Mm. I think he probably will. Mm. But at the moment, he's still very, very raw. Mm. And Son, he's not 
the highest class. What was concerned me a little bit with Pochettino, I mean, we, we all lauded them to the, the heavens last year, but I was at Wembley last week against Leverkusen, and he sort of stood on the sidelines, and you had that feeling, it's like, what can I do here? What can mm. I do here? And I've seen them a few times, and there's been mm. that sense of, you know, you're such a tactically minded manager. Well, change things around. Well, he changed things around at the Emirates, mm. going for the back three, and it was, well, successful-ish. But, you know, the reality is, uh, they've got one of the most underwhelming unbeaten runs you've ever seen. <laughs> you know, more draws than, than victories. And that won't get them where they need to be. They need to be in the top four. Otherwise, we'll have a repeat of the Bale situation. No Champions League. People look to pick off their big stars. Yeah. What the biggest star possibly at the moment is Moussa Dembele. Yeah. Pochettino's talking about him as a genius. <laughs> yeah, I think calling Moussa Dembele a genius is a stretch too far. But he is a good player. I don't think there are any central midfielders in this country that can glide past players as effortlessly as he can. He's so important to them because he is the one player that can just break through the lines and open up space for the attackers to flourish. He's a top player. He had a really good game in the North London derby. He's had injury problems as well. Um, yeah, but they need to hang on to him. But yeah, you know, I don't. I, I think don't think he's a genius. No, no, he makes a huge difference. He made it, yeah, I, I've got to say, I thought it was a contentious penalty. I thought he threw himself into Cascioli, who was silly for dangling his leg out. But he, in my book, he threw himself into. Story, the that's a story in modern football, though. Isn't it? Yeah, he's, he's not the only one. Yeah. Yeah. Talking of stories of modern football, the great story was Leicester winning the league last year. Mm. They can't go and get relegated, can they? No, they won't get relegated. Um, I think they've been too focused on the Champions League. And it, it tells you, in the, in the first three Champions League games, in the domestic match beforehand, they got beaten 4-1 by uh, Liverpool, 4-1 by Man United, and then 3-0 by Chelsea. Mm. And it was like, well, you know what, it doesn't matter, we'll go in Europe. Mm. Once they basically qualified, I mean, they, they were different to Tottenham where they drew. Yeah. But, I mean, I think now, once we see them qualify for the Champions League, they'll pay a bit more attention to the Premier League, they'll get mm. enough points, they'll be in the top ten, and then come the spring, they'll, they'll have another tilt at the Champions League and they'll probably drop off again. West Brom is the bogey team, aren't they? Every team's got one, and then West Brom have never lost at the King Power. I don't, it's 22 years, I think, since they lost away to Leicester. It, that was almost always going to happen. And you've got to remember, Leicester have, got, have had a 20-match unbeaten run prior to that on home turf. So it's not like they've been in awful shape at mm. home. And they've got easier fixtures coming up. They've played pretty much all of the yeah. big guns, or most of the big guns away from home already. So, I think, yeah, I think we'll see a second half of the season surge from Leicester. And ironically beaten by Matt Phillips, who's a Scot who can't get in the Scotland squad. <laughs> yeah, how's that work? Yeah, I'm not quite sure. I mean, actually, if you look at Scotland, in that position, they're actually quite well stocked. You've got Richie, you've got Snodgrass, you've got Fletcher who can, who can do a bit as well. But, yeah, Phillips should be in there, shouldn't they? I don't, I don't yeah, understand. He's so. yeah, yeah, one, it's it's one of those players that you think maybe has been let down by his own... Lack of ambition, maybe? I don't know. I mean, he's, he's muddled a lot. What, what joining West Brom signalled his lack of ambition? Yeah, that'll get us a few bits of <laughs> I mean, it's, it's <laughs> been yeah, the graveyard for a few players yeah, joining uh, Tony Pulis's team. But um, look, 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 he's, a, he's a player that, that should really be in that Scotland squad, no doubt about that. Yeah. The international break, you know, people moan about it almost every time it turns up now. What's your feeling on it? Do you almost, like, resent the loss of momentum of a Premier League season? Well, in part you do, but you know what? International football's still important. And everyone moans about it when it comes along. 
if it ever disappears, they'll be pig sick, they'll be sorry about mm. it. And I think, yes, the first international break, coming, you know, the, the first weekend in September, that feels a bit yes. like, oh, come on, mm. stop it. But, you know, I, I, I think it's also nice that we get off the Premier League roller coaster and just step back for a little bit. And, and it then... gives us journalists a chance to get away, go on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I wish. No, but it does. I mean, no, it's nice to have a... I'm, I'm quite happy to have a little break. And I'm with you. I think international football, the major tournament, is almost as good as football gets in terms of watching it as a fan. I feel really passionate about yeah. watching the big tournament. And the thing is, when the World Cup comes round, when the European Championships come round, everyone's so excited and they love it. But you can't have that without the international breaks. I, I just think the qualifying group, the qualifying system is flawed. There are too many dead matches. That's the problem, in my view. Like England, England Scotland. Yeah, yeah. England, England, Scotland, dead rubber. No, but England v Lithuania, England v Slovakia, England v Slovenia. It's a, it's a miracle that Wembley keeps getting such huge crowds because these aren't games to get the juices flowing. You know, needs must if you want to get to the big stage. Yeah, Gareth Southgate's been talking this morning about talking to his players about the history of the game and the mentality that you need, will they really understand it? Or will they need a few thousand people in kilts screaming at them to understand what this game is going to be all about? Well, I think even if there's a few thousands, they still won't understand it as, as, as we'd remember it anyway. He's too young, but we'd remember <laughs> it. I mean, we remember Wembley being swamped. By Scotch, you know, the, for three days before, and London would be just fill up with, you know, uh, Scottish fans, and and there's no sense of that. And it, it's quite interesting because, you know, in the old days, it'd be the English top flight's best players. This would be a real, yeah. you know, showground for them. You know, Keegan versus Dalglish. You know, Keegan was at Hamburg by then, but you know, mm. earlier on, you know, you'd have Bremner versus Charlton. It'd be mm, really yeah. evocative game. Now you look to Spain next week, and all the Premier League. Stars are playing in that one. Mm. You know, Costa against Cahill. You know, the Manchester United players up against, you know, Mata might play for Spain. So you're seeing all the big names in different sorts of games. You don't see any big Scottish names these days. It's a days. question for another day, isn't it? But what has happened to Scottish football? Why, uh, why, why, why aren't they producing those great players? There are so many you just trip off the tongue that you just mentioned. There's no one in that league. I, I think, you know, by common consent, too many bang average foreign players mm. and not enough determination to develop their own players at mm. youth level. Mm. If we take this fixture, finally, it should be fun. It will definitely be feisty. Mm -hmm. Who's going to win? England. Surely. They've got to. It'd be funny if Scotland did. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I don't think it's going to be a classic football match. I don't think we're going to see a lot oh, of ticky tacky. If, if there's any football involved, <laughs> I'd be shocked. I can't back against England, uh, but I'll go with a typically dour one 0 win. Well, me too. England to win, but let's not get carried away. Eh? Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.